Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one. Hey, Julie, we're back. Yes. We are actually broadcasting from Murphy, North Carolina. We're sitting in um, actually a very nice convertible with top up that our friend Colette McDonald up in, or down in Atlanta lent to us to drive on this little sojourn we're doing through Appalachia. Julie and I decided to take a week off and go walking through the leaves in uh, through Appalachia. And I have to say, we, this is the first time, well, first time I've been to this area of the country since I was a kid. You've never been here, right? Not right here, nearby, but it's been a long time for it both is beautiful. of us. If you it, got... It's gorgeous, and it's nice to get out of the, the hot... Yeah, not that we're complaining about the Caribbean, no. but it is nice to be in some crisp air. Well, you know, one of the biggest, I think, stark contrasts is how mountainous it is here. Yeah, it's, completely different. Yeah, we're, we're VRBOing this cabin that's, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning... Well, we went on a walk this... Well, let's just put it this or way. Or like a hike. Everything... Yeah. It was a short walk. It was probably a quarter of a mile, but it basically wiped us out because everything straight was Straight up and straight <laughs> down. <laughs> but we could see for miles, and you could see the... Um, if you've ever been, like, on the coast of California, you could see the marine, uh, you know, the marine fog or marine haze that comes in sometimes. That's exactly what it looked like. It was so beautiful because we were on the top of this mountain looking over, and we could see for, I don't even know how many miles. miles. Mi- hundred miles? Probably all three states, Georgia, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Probably. It was this gorgeous. beautiful looking down on the clouds and yeah. nice and crisp, leaves starting to change. So, yeah, I think people in this part of the country are pretty blessed. Yeah, and we talked to, uh, it's got a, <laughs> Just getting to know people. We've only been here for a couple of days, but you can imagine Julie and I like to talk people up just to sort of get a taste of the local culture. And I have to say, it definitely is about 1995, 1996 here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In kind of a kind of a cozy, familiar kind of way, sort of. But uh, we were just commenting on the epic amount of realtor billboards and good old-fashioned magazine boxes. I know. I haven't I, seen I mean, that. yeah, we could just, like, get our North Carolina license and insert ourselves right back into the it, 90s. Be, we'd, be, we'd be in our 20s again. I mean, it really does feel exactly like that. Yes. How many billboard realtor billboards? I mean, they're if everywhere. Guess, if you had to guess. On, on virtually every older building and on the freeway. And, and every uh, rural road coming into like, town, leaving town. there got to be 100. Probably. At least. So listen, yeah. agents in Murphy, North Carolina. Okay, I, I'm just going to tell you this, and I don't want you to be crestfallen when I tell you this. <laughs> when every other agent in Murphy, North Carolina has a billboard, you... you, you you're kind of all doing the same it, thing. It's called, it's called oversaturated, and that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. So you're wasting your money on the billboards, is, is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. It's gotten to the point where it's just... it's. I'm wondering if you get a real estate license here and they give you a billboard for free. Maybe that could be it. It could be it, yeah. I don't know. That's a promotion. Or maybe the billboard company says, well, if you take out a billboard, we'll pay for your license. <laughs> it, could <be. laughs> it could be either way. I know. Well, so we're going to be talking with you guys today about a, um, a subject that we've been, I don't know, preparing you for. I was going to say warning, but that seems a little bit presumptuous. Um, but look, the buyer agency uh, sort of uh, paradigm shift is, I think, going to be upon us. We've been telling you guys for at least three or four years, um, longer than that, if you've been tuned into Julie and I through our webinars and other things we've written in our coaching, that we did not think that the buyer agency uh, entitlement in a transaction was going to be something that was going to 
just last the ages because it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense because the obvious reason is that the seller has to pay it. I mean, just doesn't really conceptually, intellectually make sense. And then there was a law that passed, and it was a lending guideline. And this probably happened in the late 90s, maybe the early 2000s, 2000s, I don't remember, that made it possible for a buyer to finance their buyer agent's fee into the transaction. Now, that was fascinating. So when that actually transpired, it was there. So, you know, actually, I just had this thought pop in my mind. You guys may be, well, I imagine 99% of you don't know this, but there was a big trend in the 90s for these. Um, it was member of the ABR, mm-hmm. accredited buyer. Was yep. that what it was called, though? I or think they it was called accredited them, buyer rep. Or is it called right. something else? There was a big movement. The, so there's these big trends that run in real estate. There was the buy referral only trend. There was sort of the direct marketing response tre- uh, trend, you know that was running in the 90s. There's the marketing trend. There was the teams trend. There was the social networking trend. There was, so these trends come and go. Just, and they come, they're all, all rushed back when the economy is good and housing's selling really well. So as soon as housing sells really well and agents uh, rush to the uh, business and they all have money to spend and they don't know how to discern what they should be spending their money on, then all these companies and all these you know people come out of the woodwork and they start essentially trying to figure out a way to you know neatly uh, free agents from their newfound cash flow. Yeah, that's I mean, a that's, good way that's, putting yeah, it. that's in essence what happens. So the the whole buyer agency thing really kicked into gear. I think it was again in the late yeah, I 90s. Remember that. Being in this town's really taking me back. But <laughs> <laughs> what's funny you mentioned yesterday? I was like maybe when we were on the plane there was a time warp, a like, time machine. Like yeah. uh, what was it Back to the Future or <laughs> something yeah, like that? I know that's what it feels like, doesn't totally. it? There's Marty. McFly walking by, going to go as well. Of course, that was in the fifties, but still similar. Same idea. Well, so the buyer agency thing, guys, is something you have to keep an eye on. And um, the the bottom line is, is that that we were theorizing for a whole bunch of different reasons over the years why, and most intensely, really, the last three or four years, why buyer agency would no longer be an an automatic entitlement of a real estate transaction. Let me define that in case you're listening to us for the first time, especially if you're listening to us outside of the United States, because we have listeners now in 54 different countries. Um, So in the United States, as all of you guys know, when a seller signs a um, listing contract, they then check a couple boxes and the you know listing agent will put whatever the co-op commission is. Let's call it 2%, 3%, sometimes 3.5%, usually in that range, right? So the seller pays the commission. It says it right there in the listing contract. The seller's obligated to pay the commission. Then you go and put it in the MOS. And the whole MOS system in the United States, the backbone of that was based on co-oping or cooperation. Cooperation between the listing agent and the buyer's agent and obviously then the the you know listing agent uh, the seller is paying the buyer's agent's commission so that's the way it's always worked and that's a unique characteristic of real estate transactions in the United States in the United States we have this wonderful little uh, clean convenient you know co-op system where you don't have to have any previous relationship with the seller and they're paying you to essentially bring a buyer and negotiate against them in essence. Now that same system is, well, similar, the exact system works the same way in Canada and there's some other countries too, but primarily this is a U.S. uh, thing. And if you look in different parts of the world, there is no uh, entitlement. There is no automatic co-op that a buyer agent's gonna get for bringing a buyer. If you're working with a buyer and the buyer agent, uh, as a buyer agent, even that term's even valid in other countries, that buyer agent's going to pay you. And if they're, if the buyer agent wants to roll the commission into the sellers, uh, you know, into the deal, then obviously then the buyer is going to end up um, paying it anyway through the buyer agent uh, transaction or through the, the, you know, the closing of the transaction and they pay a hypothetically elevated price. Now, whether you believe that or not, I don't really know. That's not really, I mean, we could 
go back and forth as to whether or not there really was, um, you know, essentially an added expense to the seller because a buyer agent commission was rolled in. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But so here's what happened. There's this big court case and essentially the, it was a national, it was a whole bunch of big real estate brands against um, a couple, I think it was one attorney or maybe it was two attorneys that were trying to get um, a class action lawsuit going against all the big real estate brands against, I forget what, um, it was a anti-competitive federal law, anti-trade, something or another, antitrust. We don't have our computers in front of us. But that was the gist of it. And they tried to get it thrown out, and the judge said, you're not throwing it out. This looks like a valid case. We're going to let this move forward, which then will move to some form of settlement. I doubt if there'll be any sort of big drawn-out court case or anything like that. These at, at the end of the day, it's going to be a rush to see who's willing to settle the fastest and write the biggest check. I would imagine how it works. So you have and now two different pressures that are going to pressure the legitimacy, if you want to call it that, of a buyer agent commission. You're going to have, uh, in our opinion, the tech companies are going to start citing in the idea of taking out buyer agent commissions to increase their margins. Because most, especially Zillow and Open Door, these companies are operating on tiny, tiny, tiny little margins in most of the cases losing money. So if they all of a sudden could form, uh, form a national real estate company like Zillow did, hire agents um, and put them on salary, and there is essentially um, their cost basis for doing real estate transactions will be decreased. The buyer agent commission thing on for as their expense in the transaction might become something that they decide to take away. And then if you want to buy a Zillow listing, for example, I'm theorizing here, but you guys can see how it'd go in this direction. If you want to buy a Zillow listing, then you're going to have to go to a Zillow, you know, Zillow home real estate office and work directly with the Zillow um, uh, salaried agent and then buy the house directly through them. So you can see how that in some markets it might evolve to that way and it working that way. And by the way, that's the way it works all over the rest of the world. That when you, there are no buyer's agents necessarily, there are listing agents and listing, you know, obviously brokers. And then you're going to, you know, in England, it's called an estate agent and, you know, things like that. Or in Australia, they do you a lot. You basically go directly to the listing agent right. or you, to the listing brokerage. Exactly. And you don't go through, you don't hire a buyer agent and they don't go out and look for a house and negotiate. Yeah, you might have an attorney, an attorney review your contract, but you don't, don't have a traditional buyer's agent on your side. Right. So now you have two pressures that are going to basically put the, uh, the entitlement of a buyer's, and we're going to tell you how we think this is going to resolve, by the way, so don't overreact. But um, in our opinion, what's going to happen is you're going to have two pressures. They're going to make the entitlement, the automatic expectation that a buyer agent commission is going to be paid. You're going to see two pressures uh, on that as a, you know, sort of an institutionalized expense on behalf of the seller. You're going to see, we think the tech companies, you know, and we also now obviously think you're going to have some legal pressures. They're going to maybe force um, sort of a rethinking of how that's actually going to work. Do we think buyer agency is going to go away in the United States? We don't. And the reason we don't is because the it, it's essentially something that consumers have, have learned to, in, very, in many cases, like. They don't necessarily want to have to go to the listing agent directly. That's not how they've learned to buy or sell real estate. Could that change in you know three or four or five years? It absolutely could. And it could then essentially um, be the death of an entitlement of a buyer's agent's commission. There could be buyer's agents, but the buyer's agents are going to have to then talk the buyer into paying their commission, which in many cases they're not going to be able to. So this is um, how these things, these conversations could move forward. So give me a chance to take a breath. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was kind of reminded of how buying new construction is sort of like that. You know, you walk in and you're going directly to the, the sales agent that has the product who represents the builder. And people don't even give that a second thought. They don't go, 
well, wait a minute, who's representing me? They just write the contract with the new build rep. That's right. You know, so it's not without precedent. It's just that we're not used to thinking about it that way. And if there's five or six new build houses that are sitting there and the buyer's popping from one new build rep to the next, sure. it's not like the new build rep and the first one's going to take They're not following you around. And Well, they're not yeah. taking him next door to try to sell the competitor's product. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. That's a way that they listeners can understand because yes. yeah, that's something that's normal. Yeah, and I, I also think about uh, in Puerto Rico, you know, there's no MLS. You If you you want to well, buy it? Actually, there get, is, but I nobody mean, uses it. <laughs> basically, you know, there's no MLS. Logistically, there's yeah. not. Um, but you basically find the listing agent, and you usually go through them, and that's how it's written up. So I think that uh, some of these things are starting to encroach upon the quote normal market, yep. and that agents have to be aware of it, and maybe not fall out of their chair if a buyer's agent, or I'm sorry, if a buyer, uh, you know, has this discussion with them, and be able to uh, get in and out of that conversation. Maybe finance it in, and maybe not. Um, you know, you have to know that this stuff is going on. But I think this will probably move fairly slowly and see what it happens. Will. And, you know, probably what will happen is your uh, MLS uh, or your boards will have different forms that you can use. I was shocked. You know, I'm working on my... Well, drill uh, down on that, though. Well, my, my continuing... Ed, there's, here's the thing. I'm doing my continuing ed in Texas. And I am constantly reminded the epic amount of other forms that uh, have been developed for various specific use. And I bet you that most um, states have this already. It's just that agents don't use it. Yeah. I mean, you had COVID forms that popped up well, since March. Not just example. that, but uh, I, I ran across something yesterday out of Texas, and there's probably other states doing this, where there is a board promulgated form for uh, not rejecting an offer. Let's say you're the listing agent. Instead of rejecting the offer, you and I know this as a seller's offer to buyer. Okay. So there's an actual form that says, yes, uh, we're rejecting it as written. However, here are the following terms that the seller is looking for. If you can, you know, live with some of these, why don't you come back with a counter to this? And I thought that was fascinating. And in that section, it also said, and by the way, did you guys know we have about 100 other forms that you guys can be using in your situations that you don't even know about? So, what we so th I think this may fall into that. Right. That's where I think it's going to evolve to. I think there's going to be some kind of, it makes sense to me that there's going to be mm -hmm. some kind of, again, the, in the MLSs and the, all the different brokers and everybody, there's going to be some sort of added disclosure which is going to be, you know, painful to try to do as you sort of figure out how to explain yeah. it to the seller for the first time. But we are explaining to the seller. And, I, you know, honestly, Julie, I never remember reading a listing contract. And the thousands that we filled out when we sold real estate where the listing contract itself we did not make it super clear. Yeah. But, I, you know, truthfully, I, I always thought the seller was made very clear that what the commission was going for. Sure. So I guess now we're just going to But, but logistically, it is demented to think about. It is, uh, definitely. From the beginning, that the, that the seller is paying the other agent to negotiate against them makes absolutely no sense. But this is tradition. Right. So, you know, I think it'll live on, but I think it's going to change. And I wouldn't be surprised if agents had to uh, take a required class to learn the new form on this. It'll definitely be added to your stacks yeah, of CE. For sure. And, you know, yep. probably some places it'll be required and other places it'll be optional. So pay attention. This is definitely going to be a hot topic yet again. Where it will, things will get dicey. Because there, again, this will just basically be translated to yet another form where the seller's going to have to, you know, understand and even more technical what exactly commissions are for. And how they actually work and then mm -hmm. you don't actually have to pay the buyer's agent commission and then the listing agent have to have the skill set of explaining to that seller why it's advantageous to them to actually have a pre-written commission on the you know offering sure. because then it'll entice that list or that buyer's agent 
to be more motivated to bring uh, their buyer versus mm-hmm. maybe say for example a house that's listed where there is no clear uh, cut uh, you know stated commission mm-hmm. right yeah you know that's so that's where it's going to go I, I think honestly and matter of fact it act it, it could actually cause a lot of different um, iterations on the typical listing commission sort of like our flexible fee that we teach these guys sure. to use so you never know really how this is all going to translate but overall so for those of you who are panicking I know Inman's been writing a lot of articles about this particular topic you guys I'll tell you what the ultimate solution to all this is is just to basically focus all your best energies on being listing agents yes you know so you're gonna get paid yeah we're, it, <laughs> and it's easy it's an easier conversation um, you know I think that it is being a listing agent and and knowing what your magic number of listings is really and truly is your insurance policy to make the income that you require for yourself, for your family, to take care of the number of people you need to, to meet or exceed your goals. You know, think about how tough it is for buyer's agents right now. You might have 10 or 12 contracts. That means 11 people lost out. One of them won, maybe, but the listing agent for sure and the seller win every time. Well, you know, it's funny. I pointed this out to you yesterday and we were driving into Murphy. Mm-hmm. We drove past a for sale by owner and like right next to the FISBO was a billboard for some agent. <laughs> right. You know, wasn't that hilarious? I know. And I, I just imagine so. this agent driving by pridefully every morning and looking at his billboard and like covering his eyes and just pretending he doesn't it. see that FISBO and driving right past it, you know? know. Whereas if he really wanted to be a create business for himself he could just call that for sale by owner and help that seller sell the house and have his for sale sign right next to his billboard which would be even better or how about or this not have the silly billboard bill, have not have the billboard and That's have right. a sold sign when he sells which the fizzle far but more valuable isn't that the ultimate billboard is sold Absolutely. sign you know, but look, that's but, not... But the point is that the listing agent always wins. Right. Well, it's being more... Yeah, that's the bottom line. So if you guys... It, it's going to get a little dicey for buyer's agents. Buyer's agents are going to have to learn how to sell at a higher level. But most agents are attracted to working with buyers, as Julie says in our book, Harris Rules, because it's physical labor because you're out there showing houses and, you know, that rigmarole. We're working with sellers as, as a mental labor. What did you mean by that when you wrote that in our book? Well, I mean, when you are working with sellers, there's more working pieces. You have to operate at a higher level of skill on pretty much every level. I'm not just talking about competing. I'm talking about knowing how to do sellers' net sheets, how to be a really good pricer, um, knowing the subject property, knowing how to compete, what do you offer, what makes you different, having a pre-listing package, having a listing presentation, objection handling, and know how to close. So that's a whole lot of things, right? And it many times is more challenging psychologically for sellers because a lot of times they're actually breaking up with something and maybe aren't so excited about where they're going versus nine times out of 10 buyers are really geeked up about moving. They're getting something and the best house usually sells itself on its own. I'm not saying that it doesn't require skill, okay? But in comparison to being a listing agent, particularly carrying multiple listings at the same time, and negotiating correctly for your sellers, it is more mental labor. It, it does require more skill, more perseverance. You have to work on it. But the rewards are staggering in comparison. Well, when you have listings, you're you're shielded from all the everything that happens in real estate that usually ruins real estate agents' careers. You are. You're mm-hmm. shielded from all of it. When you have listings, you are... You have leverage. You have leverage not just over your time, but you also have leverage over all the fluctuations in interest rates and politics and just everything. Because no matter what happens in the marketplace, no matter what happens in the economy, there always are going to be people that have to buy and sell real estate. And Mm -hmm. guess what, guys? We're just starting to see a behavioral change uh, from consumers 
And frankly, I think it's brought on by the fact that a lot of age or a lot of uh, consumers were so frustrated, uh, not understanding that when they contacted someone on Realtor.com or Zillow, it wasn't the listing agent. And because of the fact that you know that sort of misdirection was allowed to happen in the you know, national search portals, consumers are rejecting that now. They want to deal with the listing agent. Mm-hmm. Billy Bob and his truck just driving by. Well, and you and, can tell. And, and so yeah. we're gonna. I think that that change in behavior is gonna. It's going to amp. It's going to essentially pick up momentum. So if you're not focusing on your best uh, efforts on being a listing agent, you better you better maybe really time to reconsider that. And by the way, we've made it easy for you. If you want to join our free coaching program, guys, we started this at the beginning of COVID, um, and we've kept it going. There's I think seven or eight thousand of you that have joined the free coaching program. And when you join the free coaching program, you are entitled to a free daily semi-private coaching call. And some days those are run by Julie, not when she's in Murphy, North Carolina, but <laughs> and some day we have to tell them the American cheese story. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And today I think Coach Rochelle's running the daily yeah. semi-private coaching call. But you get, this is free, guys. You can attend the daily semi-private coaching call. We give you, I think, eight or nine different books. We give you um, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, or we give you um, Real Estate Treasure Map, all the things, all the real basics that you need to get started in your real estate career. All you've got to do is text the word survive to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. So Julie and I are on vacation, so it's not going to be a long-winded podcast, nope. but we are going to end you. I'm going to tee this story up for Julie. <laughs> so we go into this little cafe and we're, um, you know, we're low carb, right? So we're yep. ordering omelets and, you know, nothing that <laughs> the Southerners here. Um, you know, well, anyway, I'll let Julie tell the story. So, well, I'll get. So, we're ordering the omelets, and, and I'm uh, I'm responding to a text or something. So, I just uh, told Julie to order for me whatever she orders for herself. So, she's sitting down and ordering this omelet, and then she starts asking them for like, "What's well, my standard issue omelet? I order, you know, most places, <laughs> ham and cheese. They ask what kind of cheese. I tell them, you know, cheddar and Swiss. And the guy, Usually, it's fine. And the guy goes, "We got, we don't have Swiss cheese here, cheddar. We only have American." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm like, oh, yeah. And he, and he did, it's like, we're, we're North Carolina, ma'am. It's just American cheese. Like, he didn't okay, say... Yeah, basically, but I, I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. That was so, but that was so funny. Oh, and then it gets better because, of course, you cannot have breakfast here without having at least toast, but most definitely grits. And being that we're low carb, we deleted both of them. And we heard them in the kitchen talking he about... He asked us twice. <laughs> he's like, really? And then he goes back into the kitchen. And they're like, like, nope, they said no to both. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> How think, could that be? I think they took a picture Blasphemy. of Blasphemy. <laughs> I know. So... I still had a good breakfast with you, though. So yeah, it was, it was fine. fine. Yeah, exactly. It was we, funny. We were though. able to convince Southerners that you don't have to have grits and potatoes and you know whatever else. I you know, know. nothing wrong with bread. it. No, nothing wrong with it. But yeah. uh, but I do appreciate. I think this is a great little town. Um, you know, definitely into the whole holiday uh, pumpkin harvest season. And, you know, the leaves changing. And I think it's, it's you know, it's fantastic. It so is. I'm happy really to be is. here. It's nice. It's a, it's a sign that there is part of America that does not really give much a hoot about politics. Uh, a sign uh, that it's mostly, most of America, this is kind of, I think, it feels, I don't know, it feels really good. Traditional, actually. I Traditional, yeah. 
people of all different colors, all different everything, getting along great, going on walks, having conversations. Putting pumpkins on the porch Put, and just doing yeah. the thing, you know, the, the fall thing. Not a lot of, there's hardly any political, I mean, there's a, you know, a little political here and there. This is, you know, 90 days or what are we, 30 days from the president. Yeah. But hardly anything. It's not a big point of contention no. around here. It's nice because if you are, you know, even remotely tuned into the media, you'd think that everyone basically is at each other's throats all the time. Not the case. Not the case, at least in Murphy, North Carolina. Yeah, people are pretty, <laughs> and you know they they let you in in traffic and slow down when you're walking. We mistakenly uh, jaywalked in front of the sheriff, and right in front of the sheriff, didn't actually get he slowed down over. let us cross. <laughs> I know we're lucky. So there's still manners. Wouldn't that have been funny though if we got no? What would, we got uh, arrested and thrown a ticket in. at least? <laughs> exactly. That would have been another story. It wouldn't have been surprising. Well said, Julie. Only American cheese in Murphy, North Carolina. I'm, I'm note to self. Don't mess that up again. <laughs> I know that was a little embarrassing, but it was also hilarious. It was because he said it with a stone cold straight face. Well, I know with I, that real strong <laughs> southern draw that's right with what was on the background bon jovi or something yeah. very still in the 90s right yeah, exactly. so, totally. all right well listeners there you go so listen if you're not part of our free coaching program julie and i are going to be rather chill this week because we are on a little bit of a vacation so forgive us if the show seems a little bit like our sunday show <laughs> that's right <laughs> but don't overly panic or think too much about the rigmarole with regards to buyer agency it's not really going anywhere um, just make sure you're really thinking about whether you want to stay beholden to having to work with buyers and buy buyer leads. I will tell another little story. So I got—I didn't tell you about this. Okay. So I got an email from, uh, well, it's a client in uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, fantastically successful agents. As a matter of fact, they're going to do $200 million in volume. Yeah, yep. $200 million in volume this year. So they've got like nine um, agents that are part of their team, you know, mm-hmm. loosely formed team, I would say. And they were telling me that there's Zillow. So they've been buying buyer leads from Zillow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Zillow is going to be opening up a local, you know, Zillow homes and whatnot. But he said his Zillow rep, they've been paying a 30. So just do the math on this. Sure. So they've been paying their broker has been receiving 10% of every, you know, 10 or like 12% off the top. Mm-hmm. Then they've been paying a 35% referral fee to Zillow. And then they've been paying their buyer's agents, um, essentially, I don't even remember what the percent was. So off these buyer's agent transactions, they've been making like, I think, 8 or 9 or 10%, something yeah. like that. Wow. And, and their sale price is, you know, okay, so the math makes sense. But, they, you know, how many of them were converting? How much time were they spending sure. and all that? But here's what he learned. He's, he found out that since Zillow Home is going to be rolling out offices and hiring agents, that they are going to be continuing to send referrals to agents. But the referral fee, I didn't tell you this part, ready for it? Is going to go from 35% to 75%. 75%? Yep. So if you want, if you oh want, my a, if you want a Zillow uh, buyer lead in the future. Wow. Like the, and it was some fancy ty- title for whatever oh, type sure of buyer lead. I'm sure they can had, better have a fancy title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But 75% Wow, that's fee. punishing. It is. That's incredible. I, I know. I have to think about that. Well, but think about it, though. So if you're on a 90-10 split, so think about what you So does that mean that they're, they have to be upside down by then? And the, I mean, how can you net anything out of that? Well, but the point is, is that there's all these brokers and there's teams that have only it's built bonkers. on the ability to buy leads. Well, see, this is the problem because it's not in your control. They just raise the fee well, that they're charging. That's what we've been saying. Just telling and, these guys and, forever. And by the way, that also does not have a... Uh, you know, nobody else has this lead disclaimer. No, that does. Right? That one, that one does. Those well, were, but you those still were, might have to compete. But those were direct referrals. Oh, no, no, no. Call no, their no. buyer's agent. Jules, these were, right, but these were buyer leads. 
So these okay. are buyer leads that are going to evolve to be a 75% referral That's insane. fee. And, but I, of course, Zillow is going to do that. Of course, all these, you know, lead companies are going to do that because most agents, especially if they've only been in the business for 10 years or less, never learned how to, you know, proactively generate their own Some business. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. So the moral of the story here, guys, is if you're basically addicted to buying buyer leads, if you're still stuck in that paradigm, well, I mean, maybe here in Murphy, North Carolina, that might be relevant for a little bit longer. Uh, but the reality of it is, is right now, just you know, focus all your best energies on becoming a listing agent because that's really where your best opportunities are going to be going forward. Don't be afraid of it, guys. Look, it's in fourth quarter. I know it's very tempting to sort of like, you know, take a couple logs off the fire, but I'd strongly encourage you not to do that. Dial it up. Get involved in the free coaching program. Make a commitment. Make the absolute, you know, just fever demand on yourself that you're going to set aside whatever preconceived notions you have with regards to what it takes to have a, a dominantly, you know, listing based business and put all your best energies towards that. This is a perfect time of year to take that seriously. It's not that difficult guys, but it does require you to have a very professional approach to your business, which all of you have the capacity to do. So go ahead and text the word survival to 31996, text the word survival to 31996. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Well, you know, the market has immense enthusiasm for buying and selling right now. Oh, it's crazy. So you'd better be a participant in that. You know, especially fourth quarter, which might feel a little bit strange to some of you. But remember, we have kind of a delayed year due to the, you know, second quarter COVID goings on. But definitely the market has massive enthusiasm. We have, you know, lowest interest rates ever. We have people that are moving for all sorts of different reasons. Make sure you put yourself in the middle of that transaction and help as many people as you can. Have your best fourth quarter you've ever had. I think very realistically, and we've been talking about this. We, and if you're listening to us for the first time, I always got to remind myself. Sure. That we're picking up some. This is the number one daily listen to podcast in the nation, and I always have to remind myself that we pick up some days, you know, thousands of new listeners iTunes will decide to feature us. Somebody will talk about us somewhere yeah. else. We get some, you know, onslaught of new listeners. And so if you guys are listening to this uh, as our first show, I want you to go back and listen to the ones that we did, the shows we did last week where we were talking about Zillow, Open Door, and we we're talking about all these tech companies and what their plans are for next year. The writing is on the wall. Go back, listen to those shows, really be strategic and how you're thinking. But I'll give you the the punchline here, there wouldn't be all this money getting into real estate. There wouldn't be all these tech companies getting into real estate, all this energy and momentum flowing into our industry. If it wasn't for the fact that real estate actually is going to become more than ever, one of the best industries to be involved in. And there never is going to be a company that will ever disintermediate or remove agents from the center of the transaction. It's just never going to happen. But you have to be the agent that the buyers and you know and the sellers choose to hire, which is going to require more than just having social connections. The day of just being a centers of influence, past client-based agent, and not ever having to actually learn some real sales skills, those days are quickly coming to an end. You're soon going to you're going to have to compete not just with the agent next door, but you're going to have to compete with very you know large at scale tech-based companies that are going to absolutely be competitive and going after, they're going to be trying to eat your lunch. Listen to those past podcasts. We gave you exact strategies on what you can do, not just to stay relevant and stay in business, but to thrive because of the changes. So if you haven't listened to those shows, I strongly encourage you guys to do that. And we're, you know, obviously Stitcher, iTunes, um, you know, uh, Audible, uh, we're on Spotify, wherever you can possibly listen to a podcast, go listen to those past podcasts and get caught up. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow or we might just take the day off because we're on vacation. We'll, we'll, see see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. You guys have a fantastic day. Thanks.
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.